This morning we continue in our series, Easter People. For the next several weeks, we're looking at stories from the book of Acts of individuals who live into this risen Christ, the things that have changed since that day we celebrated a couple weeks ago on Easter. This morning, we have heard a story from the 20th chapter of Acts near the end of this young man named Eutychus. And Eutychus, as you've just heard, has a very interesting story. Leadership guru Simon Sinek gave a TED Talk in 2014 that really shook things up in the world of leadership. TED, if you don't know, stands for Technology, Entertainment, and Design, and is an international organization devoted to spreading ideas through talks given in 18 minutes or less. Sinek argues in his talk that organizational leaders must start with why in in order to truly capture the essence of an organization's work. Why do you provide insurance? Why do you educate children? Why do you build quality and affordable homes? Once that question is answered, then an organization can go about the easier but secondary questions of how and what. For instance, because all people deserve to be protected when life happens, that's the why. A company provides insurance, this is the what, by building trusting and lifelong relationships through affordable and dependable products. This is the how. Cynic argues that the best companies and organizations clearly define their why before going about the task of identifying their how and their what. In our lives, and particularly our lives together in community with one another, this guiding consideration from Simon Sinek seems to pop up all the time. Our why sits at the core of what our church is called to be and do in this moment and into the future. Throughout the story of Acts, we are introduced to the first people who furthered this new Christian religion. We hear this story about Eutychus from Paul's visit to Troas in modern-day Turkey and the place where Paul set off on his missionary journey. Paul has been preaching for a long time, late into the night, and Eutychus was sitting in the window. He began to fall asleep while Paul continued to talk, and as he fell asleep, he tumbled out of the window, and everything stops. Paul stopped talking. The meeting went into recess. Something happened that was not in the normal course of events When the Christians in Troas met together. Paul rushes down the three stories of the building and finds Eutychus splayed on the ground, possibly dead. Paul bends down and found that the boy was not dead and that life was still within him. Only after Eutychus had been examined and determined that life was still within him, did they give thanks to God. They broke bread and Paul continued his meeting with the faithful in Troas. 
Eutychus's defenestration and Paul's reaction to this event shows us the why of the earliest Christians. From the moment Christ died and was resurrected, the earliest Christians convalesced and they coalesced around their newfound identity in an increasingly hostile Roman-occupied world. The earliest Christians were living in a fragile, liminal space. They took care of one another for the sake of the gospel and the small community forming around it. They realized their mistakes and celebrated their successes. These faithful people forged a path of worship and intentional living because they lived with vulnerable faith in, and some of them even had witnessed, the life, the death, and the resurrection of their Lord and Savior and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They did this even at the risk of their lives. That was their why. They took care of one another because their relationships and their community were all they had. These early Christians were on the margins of society. Eutychus's fall that night caused the Christians in Troas to reconsider their why. We learn from the community that our why must be re-evaluated when memorable moments in the community, that community in Troas, when they occur. The Christian community in Troas's why changed because of this event late that night, and they were left not a little comforted, which is a Greek turn of phrase that actually means they were very comforted. For a community that chooses to live life together, this is an extraordinary event. Their story changed and they found comfort in the abiding presence of God, the God they knew in Jesus Christ, during a precarious moment when life seemed to be in the balance. They learned to stop and take care, to put away the routine and attend to the needs of the present. Their why changed. Our stories, wrapped up in God's own going story of love and redemption, completely inform our why. As long as the community and Troas continued to worship together, they must have remembered that fateful night when the lamps burned for many hours and Paul met with them and Eutychus fell from that window on the third story and how comforted they felt. On this Confirmation Sunday, I submit to you that we must take a deep look at our why every time new people join the community of First Presbyterian Church and to consider our why to be the stories that make up our congregation. In the past two weeks, 44 people have joined the fellowship of this church. This is fantastic news. This ought to be celebrated. Forty-four people who have committed to join in the life and fellowship of this church. To raise their children here so they might know and follow Christ. To worship regularly and, and to give of their time and talents. To join in worship, to join in mission, to join in study, and to join in service. So that we all might live into our mission statement to inspire, to nurture, 
and to serve. These people, young and old, from a variety of backgrounds and experiences, all bring their stories. One of my favorite authors is Pat Conroy. And he wrote in his book, South of Broad, that what's important is that a story changes. Every time you say it out loud, the more times you tell it, the more changes will occur. A story is a living thing. It moves and it shifts. Every time we witness someone say out loud, every time we witness someone profess their faith in Jesus Christ at font during a baptism or in front of the session when joining the church, our story changes. Our why changes. One of the gifts I have every time I teach confirmation is learning the stories of our eighth graders. I love hearing about their parents and their grandparents. I relish the conversations about their successes and their struggles. These people, these Eutychuses, have so much wisdom and insight to offer our community. Their stories shift and change our congregation's story. Discover First is a similar opportunity. When we gather quarterly with those who wish to learn more about FPC and our ministries, Amy, Mary Kay, and the Discover First team spend most of their time building relationships with those who are discerning the Spirit's movement in their journeys of discipleship. Their stories work with the Spirit as they make a faithful decision about where to make their church home. We all bring our stories, we all bring our experiences, and we all bring our very lives into the fellowship of FPC. Every time we welcome new disciples into the fellowship of our church, we are called to reimagine, with the Spirit's help, what our why is and explore these new horizons, these new stories with joy while giving thanks to God for the gift of every single person who calls FPC home. We learn and share stories by finding new ways to learn from one another because we all have insight and wisdom that not only enriches our fellowship here on Cary Street, but also invites us to work in a deeper way with God as God continues to break into our world. In 2018, the BBC asked writers around the globe to pick stories that have endured across generations and continents, and have changed society. Their goal was not to produce a definitive list. Instead, they offered that this is just a starting point, aiming to spark a conversation about why stories endure, how they continue to resonate centuries and millennia after they were created, and why sharing those stories is a fundamental human impulse one that can overcome division, one that can inspire change, and even spark revolutions. Unsurprisingly, the number one story on the list was The Odyssey, the 8th century tale by Homer. Second was Uncle Tom's Cabin, the abolitionist novel by American author Harriet Beecher Stowe and daughter of Presbyterian preacher Lyman Beecher. 
Next was Frankenstein, then 1984, then the Nigerian novel Things Fall Apart, A Thousand and One Nights, Don Quixote, Hamlet, the Colombian novel One Hundred Years of Solitude, and rounding out the top ten was the Iliad. What is it about these stories? Why do they endure across time, boundary, and language? The poet Tess Taylor offered an answer in the BBC article announcing the list. She said, Everyone can tell me some version of these stories, which is to say, it lives in them. Eutychus is an Easter person because his story showed up in God's story, and the community was changed because of it. Just as the world was changed on that day when the women went to the tomb and they did not find Jesus there. God's story lives within all of us, made known in the risen Christ and lived out in the work of the church. In just a few minutes, 21 eighth graders and their mentors will stand before you to be recognized for the work that they have accomplished since January in the confirmation class. Their stories will also stand here. Their stories are not bad. They are certainly not boring. And they are certainly, most definitely, not apart from God. In Christ, all our stories are bound together within God's great story. Our individual stories form the story of this church. How will our story change because of these faithful young people? And what has to change about our why in light of these stories that will stand before you today so that we are all not a little comforted. In the name of God, the Creator, Christ, the Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit, our Sustainer. Amen.